0: Welcome to Kingdom of the Lagos. After wiping our eyes clean from the dust bowls of a corona-ruled world, we are here to announce that Christ is the true king. In his reign, it, it is over all creation. His throne, it looks over all of the heavens and the earth. And of course, that means that throughout time, regardless of where we are, Christ truly is the king, not this virus that's around us. Thank you for joining us. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. We're going to be looking at a variety of topics. I've got two others with me here in the studio, and let's introduce ourselves before we go much further
1: i'm pastor amanda sparrow
0: i'm pastor mike proctor and we do have a fun program for you today we've already had to restart the live stream once because of the comical things that go on in our world and for those of you out there that are we may not always be the nazarenes who read holiness today we're going to talk about some unholiness today and be reminded of the fact that evidently the time for being civilized and wearing normal clothes is over um to give you that meme out of the sonic the hedgehog movie but today In our range of topics, we're going to look at things from dogs eating peanut butter off of your head. We're going to talk about a guy that went to the beach dressed as the Grim Reaper. We're going to return to our conversation of the seven deadly lies that are affecting the church. And we'll do that through our Bible study section. And we're also going to talk about the fact that we as individuals, the Holy Spirit wants to come and empower us to make a difference in the world as individuals. So a lot of times we think we're not equipped for it. God wants us to rise up and be doing great things. But before we get into unholiness today, let's open up with a prayer if we can. So, Pastor Mike, would you lead us in a prayer before we begin?
2: Absolutely. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your salvation that you provide for us in Christ Jesus and your love that you have for your creation. In these strange days, Lord, where we see all kinds of actions and weirdness happening in the world all around us, Lord, we pray for... You to bring order to the chaos. We pray for each and every uh, viewer that is watching, Lord, in the, in the midst of uh, this. They probably got their own stories that, that uh, reflect chaos around them. So, Lord, help us as we look not only to some of the stories but especially to your word to bring meaning to how you are not only the, on the throne but you're on the throne of our life. Each and every person. So, Lord, bring us close to you, sanctify us as your instrument, and Lord, we give you praise in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, first up in unholiness today, we have
0: a situation where death showed up at the beach. And, yes, I'm talking about death or the Grim Reaper, as some might call him. He showed up on the Florida beach last week. And, of course, this was not really the Grim Reaper. It wasn't really death, in case anybody was surprised. (laughs) This is just a Florida man dressed up as death in order to make a statement against those who were out enjoying the beach. And before we get into our overview of this, I've got to ask the question, if you saw someone dressed up on the beach as death, what sort of person would you expect this to be? Would you think this is a professional person? This is this someone who's like 20 years old? They don't really have everything together yet. Pastor Amanda, <laughs> who would you think is out on the beach dressed up as death?
1: I'm not sure I could give you like a demographic, um, but it does seem to be, It w- I would imagine someone with like a high level of pettiness, but a low level of maturity, not, you know, really good at deciding where to kind of put that energy in a productive place
0: yeah yeah you've got that intersection between high pettiness low maturity i think you nailed it right um this is a lawyer Hmm. yes a lawyer he ended up doing a political stunt because this did end up being very political um he went out he made this political stunt and when he was interviewed he said you know i want people to make donations to this political cause again it went in that direction but nonetheless It is noteworthy because we're in a moment that shows character. I've said this several times on on the various programs that I put out throughout the week. We are in a moment that exposes character. And this is a revealing moment. And there in Proverbs chapter 16, verses 25 through 28, it reads, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The person who labors labors for himself. His hungry mouth drives him on an ungodly man digs up evil and it is on his lips like a burning fire a perverse man shows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends and that scripture there out of out of Proverbs 16 totally nails where we're at as a society we have a lot of people who they want to have whispers they don't want people to be able to obtain truth they want to just go out and make political stuff they're not really interested in real causes they're just interested in the the theater of it and it's extremely gross so, Pastor Amanda, I think there's going to be an increase in people coming out in costumes in what we see going on in the world, and it's already happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me ask you, is this a good thing that character is being revealed, or is this simply depravity being depravity?
1: Well, I think it kind of case-by-case case situation. Um, I think some people are trying to bring some levity to it. I know there's people who've dressed up like the, uh, the plague doctors, so they have those masks with the really long noses on it. Um I know um my mom has made like the masks that you reuse and she actually added something so you can decorate it with. I think some people are just trying to bring some lightness to a very frustrating and at times even deadly situation and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But then we can also see this going too far in in this direction where like this man who's out in Florida it doesn't seem like he was actually interested in bringing any kind of awareness or help people understand how to keep themselves healthy. It was more a political stunt, and that's frustrating. And then I, I think I mentioned earlier, sometimes there's a thin line between paranoia and being prepared, and it seems like this person's kind of playing jump rope with that line. Um, you're just not entirely sure what's going on, and so there, there has to be... Um, I don't know. I think some of this has always lived in our society, and I think it's interesting that it's now being revealed. Yeah, I think um, it,
0: it's just it's revealing it.
1: Yeah, and so it's we have to I think just be careful about when our part to play in it, if uh, why we're doing what we're doing, and it may look very similar to to what everyone else is doing, but are we actually making steps and taking steps to be prepared and to be healthy and also to protect protect our more vulnerable populations or are we just simply kind of play acting out this paranoia for our own benefits and so i think that's where it's going to divide between being prepared and being depraved
0: yeah i i agree very much uh pastor mike what are your thoughts on this situation
2: well you know i think the 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 clear beginning is that you have to start with is what is the motive What is the motive behind this? And, I, you know, you have people that wear masks, that are dressing up, that are, like Amanda said, you know, it's kind of decorative. They're trying to make the best out of the situation. But truly, this uh, individual is trying to ruin people's day uh, on the beach, trying to scare them. There are political agendas, I understand, that went with it. I'm not real familiar with the story, just vaguely. I've I've read a little bit about it. But at the end of the day, uh, this uh, strange time that we're in. It opens up a whole world of depravity for depravity to really thrive in. Yeah, and I see that that is really what this is. Here is you know something that comes to kill, steal, and destroy life. And you know, uh, I, I think you, I think it was in Florida that this happened. Um, I would very much encourage people for that to happen in the right. Uh, if they're going to do that, he have to be very careful. Um, If he, there's no beaches in Tennessee, and that's good for him, but if he were to do that in the beach in Tennessee, there might be somebody with a speedo on carrying a uh, concealed weapon somehow. (laughs) I know, Amanda's laughing at that. Um,
0: This is the
2: content. I know, isn't it bad? Maybe maybe it's, but anyway, (laughs) I'm telling you, the the Grim Reaper shows up in some of the places in Tennessee. He might be Grim reaping himself I'll just you, tell you that You know We
0: say I, I have, You know This is a moment That's exposing character We do find It really the, is. the fake virtues coming out We'll talk more about those As the program comes on We're already getting close To the end of the, our time slot For this segment <laughs> But we are live um, We're in This is unholiness today so. th- <laughs> This is an un, an un, unholiness today So I guess we don't have to Necessarily abide by our time rules <laughs> Though I do like to be structured I yes. am very much somebody Who likes to be meticulous. Moving on to our next story We've got something A bit more interesting for you um, so, an ICU nurse named Lindsay Shelton, she first first, revealed an wrap. interesting technique for clipping Next, her dog's toenails. And we'll go ahead and pull this up. You realize it's got some audio. Um, for those who are listening to the audio version of this, a lady posted online that you can clip your dog's toenails by wrapping your head in saran wrap and then applying peanut butter all over your head. Now, she does this, then she allows the dog to lick the peanut butter from her head while she clipped its toenails. This has quickly become an internet sensation. For those of you who have Instagram, I see this all the time. And I'm convinced half of these videos, people are not clipping the dog's toenails. I think it's just people wanting to have like a spa treatment at home where the dog <laughs> is giving you that treatment. It's licking the peanut butter off your head, um, which I've, I've seen people have it lick it off their feet, which is kind of weird to me. But the people are like, yeah, lather up the head and let the dog eat it. Um, there's been a lot of people replicate this. We've got another video over here for you where people have got the peanut butter challenge it's become an internet sensation people they they put the peanut butter on their head the dog licks it off they allege they're going to clip the toenails and a lot of the videos they do clip the toenails but there's also a lot of videos out there where people are just having dogs eat peanut (laughs) butter off their heads um the scripture that this makes me think of is from the gospel according to st matthew chapter 10 verse 1 and it says and when he called his 12 disciples to him he gave them power over the unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease pastor amanda is this the power to heal and cast out the (laughs) unclean spirits in your house Oh, you got This is what Jesus was telling you, the, the answers <laughs> to life. Put the saran wrap around, put the peanut butter. Is this actually what Jesus is talking about? Give us some holiness guidance <laughs> to this.
1: You know, part of me thinks this is really silly, but also the part of me that uh, owns a 90-pound greyhound that truly hates his nails being clipped. Um, kind of is like, maybe this might be akin to... Uh, calling out unclean spirits i don't know if you can finally get your dog still enough to 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 shorten his nails so i don't know um (laughs) it's uh it's quite humorous though to watch
0: pastor mike is this the true spoils of modern society did our ancient ancestors and their wolf dogs not have the problem of trimming their dogs toenails or is this just the lush lavish moments of modern society, giving us things that our ancestors could have never
2: imagined. What's going on here? These are the luxuries of modern society, I believe. You know, when I first hear this story, it sounds crazy. But once I watched the video of the lady, you know, I would never do it. But I think she has discovered something that that I don't know what her motive was behind this or I know there's probably some that are that are way out there, but you know, it does preoccupy the the mind of the animal, the dog, and it, it seems not to be stressing him. So I'm gonna give this thing a thumbs up um, as far as ingenuity.
0: You know, it is interesting. At the beginning of this story, I think all of us would have sold on having your dog do this. How many <laughs> people would buy at home, having the dog lick the peanut
2: butter off your head. I, I, I'll be glad to answer that. He's not going to lick peanut butter off my head. But if I can get you to come over and visit, I will be glad to put the now, peanut butter on your head. I I, I am a man. I'm not going to ask
0: anybody to do anything I'm not going to do myself. If I'm going to have my dog, Count, who's a blue healer, do this, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll let him have it off my head. But I, I'm not ready for to do that. Also, he doesn't need his toenails trimmed because he spends most of his time outside. But I don't know. No, no. Yeah, um, I
1: don't. I think I'm going to try like maybe peanut butter on the spoon, or they said like put it on the wall to keep him busy. Like I'm going to try a lot of other things before it gets on like peanut butter touches me. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, and uh, Christy's dog is rather large, and and I don't know. He might just go ahead and take a bite off of me. I'm telling you, I'm, I, he's, he's I'm not, not having bad. it. But I'm I'm okay for you to come over and try to see, or or Pastor yeah, Manda, yeah. if you'd like to come over, I'm I'm all for it. But they not would, me.
1: You would yeah. never get that peanut butter out of my hair. It yeah. just it would be a trap. We will
2: put saran wrap
0: on <laughs> if we need to. Let's let's go ahead. We'll wrap this up. We're going to be back with a more serious conversation. How are programs? We're back to doing the the multi segment variety show. Things are getting more serious as things go on. We'll, we'll get to a, a ultimate pinnacle there with a Bible study. We're going to come back with a more philosophical conversation. So I thank you all for joining us. We will be back here in a moment. all right and as the music is fading out we do thank you for spending time with us here at kingdom of the Lagos. we are a christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the church of the nazarene we all love being in the church of the nazarene i know sometimes it seems we get a little heated or something around here but that's not because of an absence of love it is because of love we, we love the church of the nazarene all right so today we're going to be talking about the fact that it is really easy in our world to get frustrated there's a lot of things in our world that help us get frustrated and I'm currently studying the book of Daniel with my church here in Jolton, Tennessee. And we've been looking at Daniel and the Babylonian exile because it shows us how we can live a godly life in a world that is trying to desperately get us to bow down to fake virtues, sort of like Nebuchadnezzar and his golden statue. It's a fake virtue. You're not really virtuous if you bow down to that. This book of Daniel, it teaches us that each and every man or woman of God can make a difference in the world simply by saying no to the fake virtues and yes to the teachings of God. In my Wednesday lesson, i told the story of John Harper, and I want to give a quick recap about that. And then all of us together here in the studio, we're going to talk about it a little bit. So John Harper, he was a Baptist preacher. And yes, in the Church of the Nazarene, we can give um, the proper respects to a Baptist preacher when it's due. So he was a Baptist minister who lost his life when the Titanic sank. And just hours before the ship sank, he told his daughter that it would be beautiful in the morning. And which the ship started sinking, he handed his daughter off. Now, he doesn't get to hand her off to the the girl's mother because she's already passed away. And she didn't pass away that night. She had died years before when the, the little girl was was small. And he tells her to be good. John Harper, he knew that he would never see his daughter on this earth again. And he also knew at the same time that God needed him to preach the gospel. John, he went against the impulse to find safety, against the impulse to enjoy life with his child to just look for the next lifeboat. And he turned back to preach the good news of Christ Jesus to those on a sinking ship. All these people out there, their their bodies were in good condition at this time. I mean, John himself was a young man when this happened. He was a perfectly healthy man, but he knew he would be dead in a few moments. Those fingers that were working, those toes that were working, they would all be deceased in a few moments. And he had to walk into that faith. Because God needs each and every one of us to not just fear the things which can touch the body, but to look to a bigger picture. We'll get back to that scripture in Matthew 10 in our Bible study, but for now, I want us to think about John Harper's life. He knew why he was on this earth, and he knew that God had a calling on him that called him back to a place that, by worldly standards, was very, very awful, very terrible, immense suffering. But he, as a minister, had an impulse that says, I'm not here for the ways of the world. I'm here for the kingdom of God. And those out there who are about to lose their lives, they need a beautiful morning. I told my daughter last night there'd be a beautiful morning. That may not be the case for me on this earth, but there'll be a beautiful morning with Christ Jesus. And John turns around and he walks back onto that ship. Knowing his daughter, she may not even remember what he looks like when she grows up. He walks back onto that ship to preach the gospel of Christ Jesus because Jesus can give people a beautiful morning when John cannot. And his sermon is simple, know Christ Jesus and be saved. It's a beautiful story, very powerful sermon that that John preached. And all really his sermon consisted of was just know Christ Jesus and be saved. When we look throughout Scripture, we are reminded that God calls individuals. He starts with families. We look and we see characters like Abraham and Sarah. We see Zachariah and Elizabeth, these older couples which don't have children, and God comes to them and says, I want to change the world through you. God comes to us as individuals and say, I want to empower you to make a difference in the world. We look throughout Scripture and we find this. This upcoming Sunday is Mother's Day, and mothers have had a big impact in our lives. We looked out the Bible, we find those characters like Sarah, Elizabeth, Mary, who... They may have thought their lives were inadequate to change the whole world, and yet they do things which are phenomenal, and not because of their own power, but simply because God came to them, gave them a blessing, and God worked through their lives. And the more they said yes to the things of God, the more they found holiness and righteousness spreading throughout the world in each and every one of us. We have great power as individuals because God wants us to work great things in the world around us. He wants to come and empower us to do that. We're in a time right now that reveals character. A lot of people, they're waiting for the next news cycle. They're waiting for what the next government statement is. And many people, they're starting to feel helpless, that I I don't really have any control over my life. People are talking to me like I'm a child. But God didn't design us to live like that. God wants us to realize that you as an individual, you have power. So, Pastor Amanda, I want to share a thought with you, and then I'll let you... um, Weigh in on the scripture. We often quote Hebrews chapter two where it talks about, you know, what if we neglect so great a salvation? You know, the church is not meant to be this this group of people who waits for the next news cycle. That scripture in, in Hebrews chapter two it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at the first was began by the speaking of the Lord, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him god also bearing witness both with signs of wonders with various miracles with gifts of the holy spirit according to his will that scripture isn't just about you know you're in trouble if you neglect your salvation that scripture is also telling us you're in trouble if you forget the gifts of the spirit god has done so wonderful things to you he's given you talents don't hide them god has given you as an individual you've been given great power great gifts so pastor Amanda. Have we, as the church, forgotten not just that we have salvation, but we also have many gifts? Mm-hmm. Have we forgotten that we as individuals can do great things with the Holy Spirit in our lives?
1: Um, I think, yeah, I, well, I, I don't know if we've forgotten or neglected or have become overwhelmed. I mean, we can also look at the story of Peter walking on water. It's where he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to drown. And it wasn't so much the the, uh, uh, the amount of faith he had or his own ability. It was um, who he was trusting. And I also think we've, you know, we have shifted our eyes off and it's not so much about whether or not we're saved or even if we're sanctified, um, about how we exercise that salvation, how we live into that salvation and sanctification. And it is easy. I mean, the world is very complex, and that's not a new thing. I mean, it's been exaggerated because we have social media and the different technologies at hand, but the world has always been complex, and there have always been situations where there is no easy or simple answer. Um, and, you know, sometimes the only thing we can do is pray, and not that that's um, it's not a small thing, um, but there's something that has to happen where we look into the world and we we have to get our priority straight we have to realize who is empowering us because we're saying these are gifts of the holy spirit these are not gifts we can produce within our own power or strength and then we have to then actually do something and exercise them um you can have all the great tools in your tool shed but if you never use them to build anything then what's the point um and that's it's difficult and not anything to be made light of but we've got to do something and again it may seem small And it may seem like I'm one person um, doing this one little tiny thing. How is this significant? You know, it's not like, you know, I'm not Martin Luther King Jr. or George Washington or any of these great historical characters where we can point out and say they changed the world. But also to um, Pastor Dylan's point, I mean, we see people who did simple things, um, everyday things, I guess I shouldn't say simple, but everyday things, like raising children, um, keeping a, a, a home, taking care of the person, that was right beside them. And those little things, those simple things, those everyday things change the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Pastor Mike, we live in a day and age. We live in a time where truth is largely unobtainable. That people, they only, want, they only want to listen to sources that already agree with them. So we have a vast amount of people who are not interested in the truth. And even if they're confronted with truth and it doesn't agree with them, they'll just dismiss it outright and say, well, I, I just don't care. Um, I believe you, but I just don't care. We have a lot of people who don't have eyes to see or ears to hear. And we look at this and we realize that Jesus talked about people not having eyes to see and ears to hear. And Jesus treated people, I mean, Jesus was was God incarnate and he responds to different situations knowing that these situations are different. He doesn't treat the devil in the wilderness the same way he treats Nicodemus at night. And even the Pharisees are conspiring against him, he'll talk to him, but he has a different attitude when he is talking with the disciples and giving them apparel. Jesus knows the hearts and minds of each and every one of us, and he knows how to deal with those things. And he realized that when people don't have eyes to see or ears to hear, they need spiritual transformation before you can even get them to the point to discuss truth. So one of the things that our society needs is revival. And revival begins with the people of God. And many times the people of God may not feel like we're equipped enough as individuals to make a difference. But if we will rise up, as individuals, and shine the light of the gospel, great things can happen. So I wanted to ask you, Pastor Mike, do you think mm-hmm. the church has lost our emphasis on being prophets, that prophetic voice, that role that says we as individuals, we need to be calling the world back towards godly living?
2: Well, I think the to restructure the, the question with this answer is I think we've lost the emphasis on understanding the difference between false prophets and true prophets, and prophets— uh, you know, it has to begin somewhere. It, it is truly the mouthpiece of God. It is not the mouthpiece of our personal um, ideology or our or personal preferences. And it starts with a personal encounter with the living God. And we see this throughout our Bible. And when we have that personal encounter with the living God, God changes us. God changes people for the rest of their life. And so as we see um, all these different and hear all these different people, you know, somewhat proclaiming to be a prophet or whatever, uh, the truth is God is present. And we must ask ourselves, are we seeking God? I'm talking about the church. Are we seeking God? And I think of the burning bushes uh, that we see Moses, God revealing himself through the burning bush. I still believe there are burning bushes out there, but it starts with God, not with us. We must be intentional about searching for the truth of God and not not our own ideas. And, And, you know, I think we have people that are just looking for support on what they already believe, and they're not looking for truth. And it, I believe that is truly a slippery slope to idolatry. Uh, but at the same time, if we seek God's revelation, then we must be prepared to experience burning bushes. God is going to reveal himself and reveal his will. And yes, I do believe that there are true people who are in tune in the church with God, seeking for, for truth, and I believe they are going to be the instruments in, of God. And when, when they encounter God, um, they become God's instrument. As well as God's mouthpiece, which is what a prophet is. So God is at work. But the church, the church, you know, it's got to seek God. Yeah. And
0: Pastor Amanda, the kingdom of God, we're not to be conformed to this world. Mm -hmm. And, And that's something which is very fundamental to Christianity that we are not conformed to this world. We are to be transformed as individuals to have our minds renewed day by day. And we know that God doesn't come and make. Changes to the world by saying, well, here's the new sweeping policy. Here are the new laws that are going to change everything. God doesn't come and say, well, there was the God of the Old Testament. Now you get the God of the New Testament. Now, the scriptures tell us Jesus come to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. God doesn't say, you know, those Ten Commandments. Well, here are the new 20 commandments that don't include any of those ten. It, it doesn't happen like that. Um, but we do see that God does bring about change. And he calls people and he says, I want you as an individual to be encouraged. We find God working with individuals and the holiness spreading from person to person. Starts with maybe one small family, maybe just a a single baby, and God works with them. And great things happen. You find John the Baptist, um, who is a lot of times we don't get to go too deeply into that story because it's kind of part of the advent, those early chapters there in the gospel, um, and a lot of times we we spend so much time emphasizing the birth of Christ, which we should, <laughs> that we don't spend as a lot of time learning about how God was working even in preparing the way for Jesus in those immediate moments. So not like hundreds of years with other prophets, but God came in that moment to, you know, bring a, a child to Elizabeth and great things came out of that. Um, so have we – How how can we as pastors and how can those out there listening to this, how can we – do more to encourage one another and even encourage ourselves that we should value the great gifts of the spirit because you never know who God's going to come and, and say, you're going to be put in a position where you can really prophesy. You're going to be doing great things. You're going to be bringing revival. Bible. How do we encourage one another that God is going to do great things in our lives and we need to embrace the gifts of the spirit so we can impact the world. How do we encourage people on that front? Pastor Minna?
1: Well, I think um kind of going back to what I was saying earlier is that, to find even in the small things, um, and maybe not small, small is probably not the right word, but when the world kind of would devalue what we do or even say they are insignificant. Um, I I know with the coronavirus and everything that's happening, it really does, as a minister, it feels like sometimes we're beating our head against the wall. We're not able to do the things we've done in the past. And so, you know, everyone gets kind of thrown into some existential crisis of why am I here? What am I doing? And that's a fun place to be. Um, but to encourage us even in the midst of those worries and those frustrations, which I think we have to allow ourselves to feel those worries and frustrations and not to dismiss them. But even when we walk through the dark valley, we know there's a purpose for it and not that God caused it, but that God can journey with us through it and can use those chances and those situations as an opportunity. And we can find that in our weakness, he is made strong. And so it, it's, it is encouraging, even in our discouragement, <laughs> to confess that God is still with us and using us. And again, it can be little things and it could be grand things I don't know but to take value um to find our value in God and then to take value in what God calls us to do and to keep putting one foot in front of the other uh sometimes that's all we can do is just keep walking the path laid out for us and we may not see where that path leads and we may not even know where the next step is but that's all we can do is just keep on journeying and that sounds like a cheap platitude. I know, but that's that's kind of well, all we've got.
0: Yeah, and you know, a good portion of the New Testament tells us you're not here to avoid suffering and pain mm-hmm. or even death. You're here to persevere. You have a savior who came to suffer and persevere. You persevere as well. Pastor Mike, do you have some thoughts on encouraging
2: people before we wrap up this segment and well, get the, to I hope this is encouraging, but first of all, you Our got to one. increase your faith. And I I'm going to go on a, on a on a little Um, side note here, I I would say to increase your fear of God and understand that the power of God is is something to be not only respected, but it is so powerful. It raises the dead. It transforms lives. God is able to create something out of nothing. And when we have this holy, loving God, and it's, you know, perfect love drives out fear, there should be a respect to who God is in this power. And when we ask God to give us power, we're talking about not some type of, you know, uh, power trip. We're talking about, and I'm going to refer back to John Harper uh, in that story, that says, I believe my faith is strong enough in Christ Jesus in the resurrection that I am willing to go to the most horrendous places. I do not have to look out for my life. I don't even have to look out so much for my daughter's life that I will trust that God, She's going to have a beautiful morning. Someone's going to raise her. I'm going to go and I'm going to preach the gospel as I get my last breath before I descend down into the the pits of the water At at the bottom of the ocean. I will proclaim the good news. And that is extreme power of God. And we live in a world where evil exists, and we must Be loyal and faithful to God. And just as the enemy comes to attack, steal, and kill, and destroy, that power that we receive from God says we're going to be loyal, we're going to be faithful, and it requires a great deal of faith. Absolutely.
0: And as we wrap up this segment, I do want to just say thank you all for joining us. If you'd like to help us out, you can just grab a link, share our content. That will do a lot to help us. Just clicking share there up under the the video. Um, Subscribing on YouTube, Facebook, and downloading our podcast. We appreciate that. If you'd like to donate monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com slash kingdomofthelogos. And we'll be back to have our study of the seven deadly lies that affect the church. And we'll be talking about the devil and the argument that he is not real. All right. So thank you for joining us and spending time with us. Um, hopefully we have been able to provide some at least interesting uh, content <laughs> and some fun conversations. I um, now we're going to get even more serious with our discussions. And today we're going to be returning to our study of the seven deadly lies affecting the church. And we are in a moment here with the coronavirus shutdown that really exposes character and this is actually why we had to do a hiatus on the study of the lies. We did the first five of them as a row. We had Stanley up They were big. We were putting a little bit more effort into the pre-production with the skits and stuff. And the corona shutdown came, and we ended up, we wanted to do some more uplifting content. And then things got a little bit more serious as everything got frustrated. But now we're back to a multi-segment format. We'll be finishing out these Seven Deadly Lies as the third segment, our final segment of our show. And one of the things that we're finding in this moment where character is being exposed, a lot of these lies we've talked about, this whole idea that you have to bow down to the forces around you if you want a seat at the table, a lot of these are panning out like in real time, and it's it's kind of a little bit spooky, but it's not like we have some magical, mystical, Gnostic insight over here where we're heretics or something. It's just the basic truths of Scripture coming out time and time again. History works like a sine wave. It goes up and down. The same themes repeat over and over again. Today, we're going to be discussing this lie that there is no devil, and a lot of the lies we talk about could be said with a gross motor skill like Scream Preacher. This one needs to be said with like a firm brow from – the calm, collected voice like Rob Bell. There is no hell. Whisper, there is no devil. This one's a tricky one. So today we're going to be discussing this idea that there's no devil, no Satan. And now this is a much bigger conversation than just about the devil himself. And it's easy for people to say that there is no devil, and it does a lot of damage because it produces a worldview that is pathological. And when I say pathological, I mean it has a bad series of events that come with it you eventually say, well, there's no hell, there's no real evil. And even if the devil isn't making me do evil, I'm not actually consciously doing evil when I'm doing evil. I'm just misunderstood or society made me do it. This mentality has a lot of layers with it. It's a very complex onion that goes a very dark pathway where there's really no accountability and nothing really has any meaning anymore. It's just a nihilistic void, which is ironic because a lot of times these things would reject the whole idea of a nihilistic void. But the problem that we have in our world that's going to tie back into our conversation on the devil is that we live in an era that is defined by fake virtues. Like if Facebook makes it easy for you to post a virtue online and the world has no conflict with it, it's probably not a real virtue because historically speaking, virtuous things have gotten a lot of opposition from the world. You know, they crucified Jesus. They chopped John the Baptist's head off. You know, they made fun of Nehemiah, tried to get him to come off the wall. They hated him. There were even people in the house of God that he got into it with because they didn't like. People have not historically liked virtue. Even the people being blessed by Moses look at Moses and say, why did you bring us out of Egypt? there not enough graves for us in Egypt. Why are we out here in the desert? If the world makes it easy for you to display a virtue, it's probably, it it may not be a real virtue if the world doesn't oppose you on it. I'll, I'll just throw that one out there. So today for our scripture and our Bible study, I want us to look at the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 10, where it says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And the reason why I bring up this scripture is not because of that word fear him and to have a conversation about who him is. But this scripture is indicating to us that there is a bigger picture than just you in the here and now. This scripture is assuring us that there is more to this life than just your physical existence. There is a metaphysical existence as well. Your soul can really be destroyed. There is a hell. There is evil and your soul can be drugged down. Now, human nature likes to be like Cain when God comes to him and gives him some wisdom and says, Hey, Cain, why is your face falling? Why is your countenance falling? You know, if you do well, you'll be accepted. And if not, sin is crouching at the door. And what does it want? Did God say the sin wants to have Abel die? No, God says sin wants you. It wants you. It really wants you. You know the evil it wants you. And and Cain doing what what we as people do. He kind of pulls his pants up. I can imagine whatever his. I don't know. He's wearing like a fox or a, a bat as underwear or something at that point in time. This is the content people showed up for. Um, in his primitive outfit, Cain pulls up his pants and says, you know what? I'll tell you, God, where my countenance is. And he goes over there and kills his brother to, to spite himself. Um, it's very sad, very tragic. But that's how human behavior is, because evil wants you. So just to be clear before we get into our, our group discussion here, I'm not saying that the devil forces people to do wickedness. I'm simply saying that they're... Are some out here who who kind of reject the whole notion of evil full sail and it kind of begins with this notion that saying there is no devil so just to be clear i'm not saying that the devil forces people to do wickedness or, or that he's some sort of great creator that's equal to god who created something to compete with god's world i am simply saying that there are a lot of people in the church who turn a blind eye to evil in our world as if evil is not real they'll turn a blind eye to it and whether it be the devil himself doing evil or sinful hearts of fallen individuals doing evil there are many who will simply turn a blind eye to it as if it's not real and it must not be dealt with. You can just kind of ignore it because it's not really there. Now, through our seven deadly lies of the church, we've been looking at two sides of these. Um, we weren't able to get the coin and whole skit stuff with the Stanley skank stank up. With the corona shutdown, um, Stanley is gone. We may need to check on him. He may may have gotten sick.
1: I think he's in quarantine. Not so much because of corona, but just because of the smell. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, he is a skunk. Um So the first side of this is the outright statement that there is no devil, meaning that the concept of the devil is just a philosophical expression. Now, if you take that notion to its logical conclusion, which is a pathological conclusion, it's a bad series of events, it'll take you to a place where Christianity is just a philosophical expression, that it's not built on truth. And that's a big problem. That can be a very big problem um, because baked into the cake of Scripture, baked into the to the biblical accounts, is the fact that evil is real. It really does want you. you. You weren't just misunderstood by society. Society didn't make Cain kill Abel. Sin. Sin was crouching at the door. It wanted him. And and Cain sized it up and said, pull up my bat undergarments and um, I'm going to go over there and kill him. Bad, wicked, evil. Very terrible. So the second side of this is the, it's the more passive side that says, well, there's no conscious evil. That takes the more passive side that says no one is actually evil with an evil motive. If someone does evil, it's simply because they were misunderstood by society and therefore they were forced into their bad behavior. And this is not a good thing. Um so let's open this up to have some conversations about that. Some just immediate thoughts that we have there. Pastor Amanda, do you have any thoughts on this whole topic?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think this topic's really difficult to have because we, we come at to this topic with two thousand plus years of uh, misunderstanding of of evil. Um I think not just as we come to this kind of postmodern but also kind of post Christendom. Um, I think a lot of people's depiction and understanding of, of Satan more comes from uh, Milton's Paradise Lost and this kind of mythology that's grown around the character of Lucifer than really an understanding of evil. And so because of all these different complex things that are coming together, it, it can be difficult to articulate this uh, belief without either sounding like um, some kind of medieval exorcist um, or dismissive of, of, of evil altogether so there's there's kind of like a kind of two extremes that are vying for our attention and I think ultimately uh, their basis is similar in the sense of if we can distort what evil is then it's easier for evil to perpetrate itself. Um, and I think um, you know after our discussion and our prep we, we've had a kind of a long prep time today discussing lots of different things and getting off topic I kind of thought you know evil, though it is not a force in of itself, it's not a created thing. Um, It's almost like zombie myths. Like a zombie wants to infect other people for there to be other zombies, right? And this is kind of like what evil does. Evil desires not just to exist in unorder and disorder and discreation, kind of off in a corner somewhere. It wants to spread. And it... I, again, it's hard to talk about it because it, it's a thing, and then also, but it's not a
0: thing. Yeah, and that's, like, that's an interesting angle to this. And you kind of used some language earlier where evil, it's not PR part of the created order. It's like an uncreated thing, sort of like death is an uncreated thing, but you can still die. Like darkness is the absence of light, but guess what? If we flip off these switches in the studio, it's
1: going to be dark. Right. So it, the, it, It's
0: something you have to contend with. Cold is, as you said,
1: Yeah, cold is the absence of of, of heat, and so we say these things don't actually exist, and yet we do experience them. You can get frostbitten. Right, so there's this very complex nature that we have to discuss that evil does exist in our world, and it is, in a sense, conscious that it does seek to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And yet, at the same time, it's not a god. It's not not a, a, a... we cannot find it and hold it, and yet we can see its effects. We know its effects. We can look out our window, and not just the effects of intentional sin, like someone killing someone or, or stealing uh, an object, but it is the effects of a disordered world that, that goes into things like hurricanes and storms and famine and droughts and, and, and broken relationships and and just the discord of the world. It, and again, it, it does... Spread. It doesn't, it doesn't just, it's not like we're like, okay, evil will stay over there. Evil doesn't exist just in the bad part of town. Evil doesn't just exist, you know, in the country somewhere far away from us or with those kind of people or with that kind of situation. It, it, it is like you said, well, God said to, to Cain, it is crouching at our door. It is wanting to consume us because, and I hate that I even keep saying it because it just... I don't want to give it, it's almost like we give it more power when we try to put a face on it. Yeah. Um. And, and so, I, I don't know, it, it's a very it's, weird situ- yeah, conversation it's, it's, to have.
0: It's one of those things where you give it, if you give it too much power, then it gets power over you. If yeah. you ignore it, it gets power over you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, you, <laughs> you're, you're you stuck between a rock and a hard place a little bit.
0: Which is why the antidote to this is not by our own power, it's not our own decision. You don't just sit over there and decide, well, I have decided to save and sanctify myself today. I'm no longer <laughs> evil. Um, it does take the power of God. It takes a transcendent thing, which is larger than all of us. And to the point of evil being uncreated, It is this is one of the reasons why it's so hard to to defeat. When we had the, the opossum that died under the church, and um, we had to get it out. It stank. It was wretched. It was horrible. Um, you can have another opossum get under there and die. You know, a skunk can die. Stanley stank up could could turn into a real stinker um and it it doesn't transfer from one body to the next the same way that say um like a virus might or something like that where it actually has to have a physical connection it doesn't happen like i've got an ink pen right here i can go and hand to somebody they've got it from one of the it's uncreate it's not part of the created order so it, it kind of jumps around how it manifests but nonetheless it
2: is there it's like cold um pastor mike what are your thoughts on this well, first of all, I think, you know, the God of love and order is, uh, you know, it, it comes to promote life and reconciliation, and that's what God does. So when we look at evil, we realize that it comes to bring chaos, it comes to break those relationships, and, and there are relationships that, that are rightly related with, with, you know, that God promotes, and that's with one another, with, with God, God's self, with, uh, you know, all creation and even within ourselves. And so we will see that evil, and evil very much does exist, comes to destroy all of those relationships. And so as we understand holiness as being a not just a substance, but really relational, yeah. we can see that evil Pretty much is the same thing. I, I think that the grave danger is to try to, you know, I, I don't want to say romanticize, but uh, I, you know, to make the devil a little cutesy red thing with a, you know, little horns and a pitchfork. That that's a danger. I think the the bigger danger though is to say there is uh, not evil. That that evil doesn't exist. All of a sudden, you start progressing down a road where you say sin doesn't exist, or this is not sin, or that's not sin. Before you know it, there is no hell. Um, then there's no fear. I think the, as I said earlier, the fear of God is a respect of the power of the resurrection. And though the cross and all the sin and evil that come to destroy Christ and G- Christ Jesus, even though it's ugly and powerful, it had no power over Jesus. Jesus is the victor in the resurrection, um, and He reigns forever and ever. But I don't know if I answered your correct your your question correctly but that's my fault. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, yeah. Your absolutely. Thoughts? Well, we're going to wrap that up. I don't want to okay. leave people on a, a point of definitive direction. On the, I I don't want to just bring this up there and and just be a, a naysayer that's just causing a bunch of problems over here. The solution to this problem is that we we start by understanding that Christ is king and that there's material truth in that. Mm-hmm. That There is a material truth in the fact that Jesus came, he walked among us. He was really the Word of God, the Son of God incarnate. He went to a cross, he died, was really dead. Descended into Hades, the abode of the dead. And on the third day, he rose again, resurrected, really alive. That is an absolute truth. The solution to this problem and the question of evil starts with understanding that premise and that the power comes from there. And then we as people, we have to start making stands that actually go against the world. We don't just tell ourselves, well, you know, I'll just ignore that. It's not a real problem. We have to start making stands and not just buying into fake virtues because it really is a fake virtue to come along and say, well, there's no evil. There's no devil. We're just going to be all nice and along. No, we have to start taking a stand, having a backbone and saying, this world needs an alternative to just the carnal nature of sin. Because when you say there's no devil, the devil wins. You give him a victory. We have to give people a real alternative to embrace. And that sometimes entails telling people things they don't want to hear. You know, you're you're going to be a Bible thumper if you actually profess anything of biblical truth because nobody ever wants to be held accountable to their maker. But the gospel, it is the most loving thing that we could ever experience, but it's also the most serious and severe. So we have to realize we're not just here to do an exercise in passivity, but we're here as the church to profess the truth of Christ Jesus.
2: And, well, and, you know, I'd just like to say that, you know, tradition tells us that, you know, as as much as we are fallen creation, that that, you know, the devil being uh, a fallen angel. That's part of our tradition of understanding it that way. But I think there has to be something that goes much deeper in that as we look at evil and not just, I think if you're not careful, you can go to the the fallen angel and put the pitchfork in his hand and the little pointy tail and the horns on him and color him red. The truth is evil is extremely ugly. It and it exists now. How it exists is in many different ways. We need to focus on Christ Jesus and have our faith in Him, because that is where the power to heal, the power of the resurrection, all of those things you were talking about, Dylan, is so uh, tremendous. Uh, but that's where our hope is: is in Christ Jesus. Yeah, and
0: evil, the devil, they are real. They're un. They they may not exist in the way that other things exist. And they might be uninvited to creation, but so are things like death. Well, never drop it. your guard on it. Yes, never, never drop your guard on it. The moment you say, oh, it's not real, I just dropped my guard on it, that's the moment you get consumed by it. So we're going to wrap up our, our program. Um, so <laughs> I know a lot of different conversations today.
1: Yeah,
0: it's good. Um, a lot of different stuff. And I think everyone who is, has hung with us in in rode the the ride that is kingdom of the lagos a bad <laughs> segment on the 700 club <laughs> not really i'm i am proud of the work that we do around here um some final thoughts though observations you've made around the world just completely unrelated to the topic we just had unless you want it to be related to that have you seen anything interesting this week any prediction about where things are going any thoughts of that nature <sighs>
1: I don't know. I think a prediction Pastor Mike made several weeks ago is once things start opening up, people are going to just go for it, even if we try to restrict things again. And I know Nashville's very worried about, because there has been a spike in cases, um, about reopening Nashville. And again, the world is very complex, and things that, uh, while we're trying to deal with one issue, about a hundred other crop up, and sometimes they happen because of how we dealt with the first issue, and and life is a mess. (laughs) And again, I think we... A good remedy to a lot of this is to be honest with ourselves. Life is a mess. That is a truth. Um, but to also say uh, something I've probably said a hundred times before, uh, John Newton, the writer of the the hymn Amazing Grace, said two things I know. I am a great sinner, but God is a great Savior. So,
2: Amen. Amen. Good observation. Pastor Mike? Well, you know, I, I think as I look around and, you know, I, I do place the coronavirus as a evil um, you know, virus that's coming to take, take away life. Uh, at the same time, God gets blamed for a lot of things that he, that he wants to do. I see that coming from people with bad theology. I want to focus on seeing the good that's coming out of how God's working through not only our medical professionals, but, you know, I've seen good scientists. I see all kinds of good work taking place, and I, tell me, there's a great spiritual battle um, happening right now, but I believe that God is so powerful and so much at work that there's a great revival breaking breaking out right now.
0: Can I can I add something to that? Yeah, please. I think I know you mentioned like scientists. The great revival I see breaking out and the great work is coming from everyday people. Oh yeah, who would coming, not fit into those categories? Though I I do know a few doctors and I know a few medical yeah. professionals and. But, but I am seeing a lot of people who may have been, they may have been something like a nurse, but they've been a lot of people who are more blue collar sort of thing, who have who have taken a mentality that says, you know what? The time for revival is now. The time for me taking a stand as an individual is now. And i kind of been blessed to see that.
2: You know, i just like to say that where, where um, evil meant for things to be bad, God is going to work in it and Turn something good, he, you know, just the Saint, the Joseph story, so to speak, where where all these things happen to him, and where others meant for that to be bad, God worked something good for the world and i believe that god is at work tremendously that we as the church have to be attentive and i agree with dylan i think a lot of the work is coming from the it's not pastors alone it's laity it's it's the whole church in all kinds of ways and they're it's parents bringing god to the to the family in the home around the table uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch uh, And again It's one that we, we have faith And and we uh, continue to uh, Be respectful And fearful of this great power Of God unleashing Amen And
0: it does take some investigating To see that sometimes Because oh, yeah. can, you can be overwhelmed By the
2: frustration and not see You can oh, yeah. and it can be very discouraging And the enemy will, want, will tell you that But yeah. I see people coming to know Jesus during these times.
0: Yeah. And for mine, I'm going to do something that's much less serious, but I think everybody that's listening to this or knows me personally, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat the situation. I'm kind of an eccentric kook. <laughs> um, I, some false humility would be displayed if I said otherwise. Um, I listened to an opera for the first time, like through and through a George Gershwin opera, which was done in English rather than Italian. Um, and it was, it was like listening to music for the first time. It, it, a lot of times I would, cla- I would have thought musicals and operas are like the same thing, but they're not. Like in musicals, there's a definitive song here and there. Like there's acting and then you do music. And the opera, like where the story ends and the music begins, you can't tell the difference between the two. And I mean, it was Porgy and Bess, the opera that I, I sat through. Um, it was really fascinating. It's like listening to music for the first time because it was fundamentally different than anything I had ever sat through. And I didn't know that I would enjoy something like that, and I'm still kind of uncertain about how I feel about <laughs> it. It was it was very strange. So it was great. <laughs> um, for, if anybody's wanting to do something weird and have a totally different experience with things, um, watch the Alfred Hitchcock film Rope and then sit down and listen to an opera, a George Gershwin opera because they're in English. Which is a very taboo thing to do. Anyways, thank you for joining (laughs) us. This is Kingdom of the Logos. Pastor Amanda, would you pray and close us out today?
1: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, first and foremost, we are grateful for your many blessings. Uh, We thank you for your greatest blessing, which is your presence, uh, which is life and life abundant. So be with your people, we pray. Uh, Even in the midst of our frustrations and confusions and the chaos of the world, uh, even as we struggle to articulate what our struggles are um may your peace be made known and empower your church to do more than we could ever ask or imagine we ask these things in the strong name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen
0: amen amen and on that note god love you and have a blessed day